This is the Productize Podcast. My name is Brian Castle. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Got an interesting one for you today, a little bit different. I'm talking to Will King. He is uh, actually the producer that I've been working with on this Productize Podcast. He has been doing, uh, you know, like writing a lot of the show notes and helping with coordinating guests. And so we talked a little bit at the beginning of the interview about some behind the scenes stuff on how we've, we're, we're putting this show together and how Will actually found this role of, of working with me and, and what I was looking for in Will's role to be doing this stuff for me. So um, I think it's kind of like a mutually beneficial uh, working relationship thing we, we've got going here. So that, that's pretty cool. And then, of course, we're going to spend the bulk of this episode just batting around ideas with Will on his productized service idea in the making. Um, I think this is a really good one. So he's at the very, very early stages of launching his first productized service idea. And uh, we talk about what the idea is. We talk about who it's for and his process for validating the idea with customers and how he plans to go about building it and just answering a lot of different questions and thinking through a few different strategies. And I really relate to a lot of it because it, it kind of matches a lot of things that, that line up with my personal experience, especially back when I was working on Restaurant Engine. So I think, I think you'll enjoy this one. Before we dive into that, uh, I'm going to run the audio from a recent YouTube video I did where I answered a listener's question. As always, if you have uh, any uh, questions that you want to hear me about around over on the YouTube channel here or here on the podcast, you can reply to me over email uh, or send me a tweet or I don't know. Those are probably the two best channels there. So here is, uh, here's the latest audio from one of my YouTube videos where I'm answering a listener's question. Can you hold down a day job while building a business? That's a good question. It's a tough one. Let's get into it today. Hi there, Brian Castle here answering another reader's question on YouTube. Of course, if there's anything that you'd like to see me talk about here, uh, hit me up on the comments, hit me up on Twitter, reply to any of my emails, and I will answer them here on YouTube. So this is a good one. Uh, Amit asked, uh, have I ever personally had the issue of trying to hold down a day job at the same time as trying to build a business? I have done that a little bit, but uh, more so moving from being a freelancer and balancing that and building a business. But I've worked with many other people who have made more of that transition from a full-time salary position to building a business. You know, back when I first started that, I was building my freelance business while holding down a, a day job. So, so I have a little bit of experience with that. First, the, the, I mean, it, if the question is, is this even possible to build a business while holding down a day job? Yes, of, of course it's possible. I've seen it done time and time again. So I have two bits of advice here. And then uh, I just wanted to talk about three things that could make it a little bit easier if these are possible. So first, the two bits of advice. First, I strongly advise against just quitting your job before you have uh, at least put in significant effort at trying to build your business while holding the day job. Again, this is totally possible. So you should try to do that together before you know throwing away a full-time salary and the security that comes with that. I've seen so many uh, entrepreneurs or you know entrepreneurs, if you will, just think that from the time that they leave their job, their new business is just going to work right out of the gate and start to grow. As we all know, it doesn't work that way. You're going to need to go through a lot of trial and error and a lot of legwork and research and talking to customers and, and learning and, and constant learning, really. Um, so the more of that work that you can do, the more of that early legwork that you can do while you still have the full-time salary, the better off you're going to be and the more successful you'll be at fully making that transition later on. The other thing to keep in mind is that 
you can use your salary position as a key strategy in building your, your new business. I mean, the longer that you can keep your full-time salary to pay your bills, that's a longer period of time that you don't need to take a salary from your business. Meaning your business does not have to be profitable enough to pay your bills for your house, for your family, for for whatever. The more that you can keep that financial security from the job, because I've even seen founders who have hired managers and other people in their business to work in the day-to-day long before the founder themselves even quit their full-time day job. I mean, it sounds pretty amazing, but that's a really good strategy to grow the business pretty significantly because you can take 100% of the revenue from your business and reinvest it into hiring people or investing in in marketing ideas and things like that because you have the financial security from your job. Of course, you know, that won't sustain forever because you're going to run into time constraints, but it's possible and I've seen it done. Now, there are three things that make it a little bit easier if you're going to try to, you know, do this balance of of starting a business while holding down a day job. Some of these may not be possible for you or may not be options on the table right now, but these are the factors that I've seen make this whole transition a little bit more possible. The first thing is that hopefully you work for a company that allows its employees to have their own side hustles, their own little side businesses. I strongly believe that it's wrong for any company or any boss or employer to prevent or not allow their employees to have their own things going on their own time. I just think that that's wrong. But unfortunately, I know that there are companies out there who who have policies against that sort of thing. And again, I don't agree with it, but it's there. And if you work for a company like that, you're just going to have a harder time. And to me, I would actually use that as criteria to look for a different job, frankly. Another thing that makes it easier is if your full-time salary is a remote position, you know, meaning you, you can work from home. Of course, that does not mean that you're not actually going to be working for, for your job because you're, work, you're not in an office. You're still going to be putting in hours you know, when you work remotely. But it gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of schedule, in terms of privacy. So if you ever need to do things like you know, taking a sales call for your new business or you know, doing a little bit of uh, time-sensitive work in the middle of, of a business day, um, you have a little bit more flexibility to do that. Of course, it's not impossible, even if you work in an office, to go, you know, take a call on your lunch hour or, or that sort of thing. But, you know, working remotely is a little bit more flexible. So if I were looking for a job, a salary job that would enable me to try to, um, to, to self-fund my way into a business, I would certainly be looking for a remote working position for sure. The last tip here, and you do have control over this, is that you have to be willing to hustle. I'm not one of these people who preaches that when you build a business, And as an entrepreneur that you have to put in 80-hour weeks, I think that's unhealthy and it's wrong. But if your goal is to get out of a job by building a business to a point where you can grow an an income that can replace your salary, then there's just no way around it. You're going to need to have to hustle. That usually means waking up extra early, like hours earlier than your day job starts so that you can put in some good morning hours work into your business maybe working nights and weekends as well. You know, it could even mean taking vacation days, you know, like using up your vacation days to work on your business. These are some sacrifices to make. You, you shouldn't expect to make them long-term, but for the year or two years or so to really get your business off the ground, you'll probably need to make some sacrifices like that and, and really hustle at it. It's sort of a question of like, how bad do you want it? Because if being self-employed and owning your business and putting the work that requires to run a business long-term If that's really, really important to you, then doing things like hustling, waking up early, taking vacation days to work on the business, 
that stuff should just come naturally to you. You, sh- you should want to do that if, if you really want that. That's sort of just the reality. So those are my thoughts on uh, you know, balancing the day job with uh, building up a, a business for the first time. Uh, I hope you found that helpful. And if you have any uh, feedback or other experiences, I would love to hear them. Hit me up in the comments here. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. That I really appreciate that. And uh, again, if you have any questions for me, shoot them over to me and I will answer them here. Thanks for watching. See you. All right, so let's head into my conversation with Will King. Now, I just want to apologize about the audio quality. Uh, Unfortunately, in the first half of this conversation, both Will and I's audio, we didn't have the right uh, audio settings enabled. So um, it's not quite as clear and and crisp as I would like it to be. But about halfway in, uh, we got the audio switched up so that both of us should be on clearer channels for the second half of the interview. So I apologize about that. I, I don't think it, that it's a complete showstopper. Otherwise, I would have uh, you know, not published this one because it was really, really good content. I was really happy with this episode. I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Will. Here it is. Enjoy. All right. I'm here with Will King. Will, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining me. Um, this is kind of a special, interesting episode here. You know, we'll take you a little bit behind the scenes first, because, you know, Will, you've been working with me for this latest run of episodes on the Productize podcast. So so for those who don't know, Will has been taking care of all of, you know, writing all the show notes for every episode. And he helps with some of the, like the behind the scenes uh, production elements of like coordinating guests and and like sending guests, you know, the link when the episode has has launched. He's helping to prepare the um, like the headliner video like clips or you know audio clips that i tweet out for every new episode and will is also helping me with um uh, researching you know upcoming guests and and helping to to keep the pipeline full of, of of guests so that you know so that this podcast keeps coming out throughout the year so that's sort of some behind the scenes will how how is it going for you uh in this in this little role that we've got going here i gotta say i'm enjoying it we were talking a little bit before I am trying to do my own thing, which is, I think, why I'm here today to talk a little bit about that uh, and getting some of the behind the scenes from somebody who's been around this industry for a while and being able to see how you do it, even if it's, you know, I'm a web developer, designer, so this isn't necessarily, (laughs) you think, like, why are you writing show notes? I just saw it as an opportunity to increase my, I guess you'd call it surface area of luck uh, and build relationships with people who I think could could mentor me, could give me feedback and advice, but in a way that I can still provide value for them. So it's been a lot of fun. I've been learning a lot, being able to tear down every episode and try to, to create those show notes and think critically about the interviews that you're having. And it's been a blast and I can't wait to, to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm just really happy that you actually reached out because, uh, you know, a few months back when I was kind of game planning out like how to bring back the productized podcast that was the one thing well one was writing the show notes but really the the thing that that i was a little bit stuck on was how am i going to keep having a a solid pipeline of guests because that takes a lot of work to do the research and just find interesting people like after i burn through my friends who i want to interview there's you know we, we still need to fill out like the rest of the of the year so and we don't just interview anybody. We like like I only want to interview people who are interesting and who I think would actually add value for for the audience here. And so 
I think what I did, I forgot exactly where I did it. I, I might have mentioned it on my other podcast, Bootstrapped Web, and I think I tweeted about it. Yep, it was on a Bootstrap Web that I saw. Yeah, so like, because it's not the kind of thing, like, I, I suppose you could just like hire any person off of Upwork to help with some of this podcast production stuff. But I was really looking for someone who just happened to already be like tuning into to this sort of stuff, maybe already tuning into my podcast. That's why I mentioned it over on Bootstrap Web. And and like you said, like maybe this could be a mutually beneficial, you know, relationship. Like, sure, you're 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 taking care of these tasks for productized podcasts, but we're gonna start talking about your business here in, in a minute. You know, you're you're launching this productized service and and it's like you're you're tuning into this this sort of business advice anyway. And and so that makes you a good you have a good ear for who who else would be interesting to hear on this podcast, you know. So I I think it sort of fits well. Yeah, the the way I saw it was this was an opportunity and we I think this will probably get mentioned further on, but um I noticed that I was doing a lot of listening and a lot of thinking and a lot of planning and not a lot of shipping. And I I thought to myself, you know, here's this offer from Brian, maybe not an offer, maybe a plea for help <laughs> from <laughs> just somebody who could relate to what you're trying to do. And I just thought to myself, all right, put yourself in a situation where you have to ship something uh, for someone who can inspire you to, you know, get where you are hoping to be. You know, like I've, I've followed along with bootstrap web for a while, seen the work that you've done. And there's just, there's so much that I want to be able to do. And I just procrastinate on actually shipping something. Uh, and this felt like finding somebody who could, I could observe, but also like provide value to in a way that it'd be worth your time as well. Cause you're, you're a busy person. I don't want to just come up to you and be like, Hey, help me with this without being able to provide value. And like you said, it just seemed like a mutually beneficial situation that I, I thought would be a lot of fun and it has proven to be true. It's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, um, I really applaud you for, for doing that because I think this is a perfect example for anyone else who who's in your shoes. Cause I know there are so many people, whether they're in full-time jobs or they're freelancers and they're trying to level up, but they're, you know, like that's the thing, like so many, like a lot of people email me or, or other people like, can you just hop on a call? Can I pick your brain for an hour? Like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like even if I like, I mean, I have kids and everything too. It's like, I, I've got to, I've got to make every hour count here. And, but that goes for every person, um, no matter what you're doing. I mean, I'll just, I've been thinking about like, I, it got me thinking too, like, why, who am I to ask for that hour? Because like, I don't even know if I'd have that hour and I've got a whole lot less going on professionally, uh, not to mention just like family and personal life as well. So yeah, I think, I think it's a lot of advices out there. And it's hard to find these opportunities, but you just got to jump on them when you have them to provide that value to someone that you you want to get that feedback that um, that mentorship maybe uh, is the is the word there. Yeah, very cool. Well, you know, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about about what you're uh, working on? I mean, you know, before we actually dive into your your new productized service concept here, I, so you you host another podcast yourself. Like, can you give us kind of a rundown of of you and and your background and, and what you're doing every day? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we'll try to we'll try to make this quick. Went to college for industrial design, which is like physical products. Got interested into web design. Decided I would don't just want to design them. I want to figure out how they're built. And then took courses from a program called Skill Crush to learn how to develop. And then got my first job in web and remote there. And I, <laughs> 
it's been six wait, years wait, wait, and I haven't. So you, you took courses from Skill Crush to learn it, and then you ended up working for Skill Crush. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Because I had that like design background, they had a like teacher's aide, I guess is what they call teaching assistant position for their design courses that I went out for. And they were like, oh, you're the guy who has like the really good designs for like, because it's like a very intro stuff for like development. And everything I did, it's like, okay, I want to make sure it also looks really good. And they, they were like, they knew me because of how my projects that I completed looked. And so they were like, okay, you absolutely got the job. Like we want you. And in, in fact, like, can you just be our web design instructor? And so I did that. It was like part-time work, did that for a while. And then a position opened up on the development team as a front-end developer, did that for a while. And now I'm the team lead over there for like development at School Crush. Awesome. And how, how are you? Because like, we're going to talk about this, this thing that you're, that you're shipping and, and doing all these other endeavors, like outside of that job. Like, so I'm curious. Like whenever I'm talking to other other people, like I always want to get an idea of where do you want this to go? Where do you want this to lead for you? Like, are you trying to take steps and put things in place to someday soon, like leave full-time employment or what's your goal there? Or are you just interested in, in keeping side hustles going, but you still like your, your job? I would love to leave and do my own projects full-time. That is definitely the long-term goal. I, I, I say long-term because I don't think it's short-term. Like I love, I love the work that I do for Skill Crush. The work they they have an awesome mission. Um, their main their main mission is to help women find new jobs in tech with courses that can help them change their careers and change their lives. So it's a great mission. I love being a part of it. I love the challenging work that's there. But at the same time, like it has shown me so many sides of like entrepreneurship and getting to like build a product. And I just, I want that for myself. Like I've always been a tinkerer. Like I found industrial design, which was basically just like big kid Legos. Like you design how products work. And it was just like, this seems so awesome. Uh, and then I found the web and it's just like, for me, the the pool is solving problems and helping people. Uh, and whether that's in like a full-time job or in my own product, I just see that as like an escalation of what I love to do, which is what, like I just mentioned, like solve problems to help people and being able to go full time on it means that like, I get to be the one running the ship, I guess, not from a sense that like, I don't think things have gone well, like with what I've done before, but like the decision-making and like that part of it is something I want to experience. And yeah. like, I don't know. It just, that's kind of stuff excites me. <laughs> totally. Um, I, I mean, I, I completely relate to a lot of it. You know, I come from a similar, very similar background designer, front end developer, eventually finally learned some back end development. <laughs> and then the, um, you know, the thing is once you learn how to build a website or build, you know, be, be able to design anything on the internet is like, mm -hmm. that is just a drug right there, no matter what you're doing. Oh, you're not kidding. Because it's like, it, it's not just the act of building it. It's just like, it completely opens up so many options for you. Because you, you look at any business that, that gets launched and what is seemingly like an impossible wall for so many people. It's like, well, I know exactly how they built that. They, they made a website and they mm -hmm. put this on it and it made they made it do that. Like, And it seems so easy. Obviously, it's a lot harder to build a business, but at least the the technical building blocks you have a much better understanding once you once you've already learned how to design websites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, I want to hit on something you just mentioned that kind of brings me to where I'm at now and like why I reached out to you and why I realized what I realized, which was once you learn how to design a website and build a website, 
doesn't mean you know how to build a business. I can build anything, any tool that I could want, but it doesn't mean that I'm building a tool that has a business model around it, that has a market that is willing to pay for it, to buy it. I can build all day, but not actually provide value. And that is, that is the part that has taken me the longest to start to understand and realize that, hey, maybe I'll learn it. Like with development design, it's like there's a finite set of like rules yeah. around it, but business is so <laughs> freeform. Um, uh, there's no yeah. set, there's no set practices. Like there, yeah, there can be rules within the industry. Exactly. But like a lot of it is just like learning from people's experiences trying things yourself shipping because like with business there's nothing like shipping and learning data based on like what you're you're putting out there you said it i need to to learn how to be better with that and maybe learn from lessons from those who've come before so here i am well let's uh i mean that you said it perfectly there but let's let's get right into it so like tell us about this this thing like how do you how do you explain it what's the name of of the of the idea yeah what's so, your, give, give us your pitch <laughs> <laughs> the 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 name of things is is very hard to to nail down, but I've called it Fabled Labs for now because I didn't want to spend so much time on a name. So it's kind of this concept of like, okay, this may be an umbrella that I will do market research and validation to find the products that can maybe live under that. But um, I'm calling it Fabled Labs. The first thing that I want to be trying to tackle that I'm trying to tackle with this is creating tools and resources that help authors create a better better business indie authors are to me very similar to like indie hackers to to bootstrap entrepreneurs you know like they are creating their own product which is their books and they are doing all sorts of marketing and sales and promotions in a bunch of different ways to sell that product to consumers and i just saw a a large area of this that i thought i can help them do certain things better that will make their lives easier and also help them like be able to spend time on what matters to them, which is writing. So let me, let me, uh, let me stop you real, real quick. So like the first thing, like first and foremost, before we get into really more of the details of, of this product that you have in mind. So when you say authors and you said indie authors, yes. Can you paint the picture a little bit more? So is it like, fiction authors and and is there a, a large community of this or, or is it like oh my goodness so i'm about to out myself as like a giant nerd <laughs> <laughs> so there's this there is a so i would say a genre but one could call it a subgenre too of authors who write what is called a uh, literature rpg which is basically just like in, in think of like rpg art. video games exactly a classic rpg video game but in written format and what got me on this is like, I loved playing video, like Final Fantasy. I loved those games growing up, but I've now gotten to a point in my life where like, I can't sit for hours in front of a TV while my wife and child are doing, you know, whatever yeah. <laughs> and play through the storyline of one of these. Um, so what these authors have done, I think a lot of people felt that way. What, what these authors have done have created a genre where like they kind of capture the essence of that, but they tell the story themselves. And it, I just find it super interesting. And I think, I think it's because like my favorite, type of story and honestly like whether it's in the startup world bootstrap world lit rpg uh is progression and it yeah. kind of tells it tells this story of people who go from nothing and usually in their stories they go on to like you know win the game 
win whatever it is, become the greatest, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's this progression, this feeling that you can, you see somebody learning from the start to become who they need to be. And that's kind of what pulls me in. That's awesome that you, uh, that you, that you mentioned that. I'm I'm really glad that you did because so yeah, like, like fiction authors, indie authors, but then within (laughs) that, there's this, there's this sub niche, a niche within a niche that you, that you personally are into. And so, so, you know, like I, I would assume that there are lots of these types of books out there and there must be communities where people are talking about them and, there and where, are where you can find more of those writers. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. So people, people get really into these type of books, you know, like they talk, like talking about the system, the game system that the writers have created, how the stats work, that kind of stuff. So there's a huge community, both on the author side and the reader side and a lot of like proven engagement. We talked a couple months ago about like how I had kind of the same idea that I'll be talking about for mortgage brokers, but I listened, MicroConf, MicroConf released, you know, their video vault and mm-hmm. there was a talk by Patio 11 where he talked about how he had the appointment software for, and there's like dentist office or whatever. And he mentioned, you know, he woke up every day and the reason why he got out of that software business and got rid of it was he woke up not excited to build things for them. And I realized that's what was happening kind of with that mortgage broker business. And so I liked the idea I had, but wanted to find someone that I could wake up every day wanting to help. You know, that's a, yeah, that's a really, um, really good point. I mean, you know, I definitely relate to, and, and what you're talking about there is Patrick McKenzie, who is pretty well known in, in like the bootstrapper and software circles. And we'll, we'll link up that that talk make sure it's in the show notes. <laughs> we'll we'll hear we'll, we'll it up actually <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it, like i actually i i certainly went through a lot of that when i was uh running and building my restaurant engine business which i ended up selling in, in 2015 you know for for a number of reasons but honestly that was one of them it was like that was why because when i started that business i thought that i could build something up to a point and have it run on its own and then just keep owning it, but not touch it. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I got it to that point, but there, there was still, there was still a much larger phase of growth that I was, I felt like I was incapable of tapping into for that reason, because I was not willing mm-hmm. to go fly on a plane yeah. to go to Chicago <laughs> to hang out with restaurant owners at that industry conference every, like, I just don't want to yes. do that. Like I'm not interested. <laughs> And, and other things like that, you know, I'm just not personally connected to it. And, and I don't, I don't think that that's like a requirement for someone's business, certainly not their first for business, most businesses, but, like, but some, it does your, your target market hung out at conferences and that would be the way to scale your business exponentially. Yeah. And also, I mean, the fact that you are into this niche community of, of indie authors and this subgenre, you have insider information. You have insider knowledge that most WordPress web designers who are thinking about, you know, kicking around an idea to, to build a web, like website platform for some niche, they're not even going to know that this subgenre even exists, let alone knowing which communities to go into, let alone to knowing what is truly important to include on, on these websites for these authors. Like you have all this insider information because you're in it, you know? Mm-hmm. So Maybe um, I realize that I haven't actually even said what the, <laughs> the product yeah. itself yeah, is. Yeah, so let's, let's get into that. Like, like what, what would you say? I mean, we're talking about shipping your very first thing. So what is your, how do you describe like what the first thing that you would like to 
publicly ship would be. Yes. So I've thought about this a lot because there's obviously a bunch of different things you can tackle, but I knew that I wanted to start with something that I knew I could win with using my current expertise, you know, something I felt comfortable shipping, something I could ship quickly and something that I was able to validate was like a real need. So what that ended up being was a productized website package, maybe with a slight twist. It's kind of like a, it would be a done for you website template built on top of WordPress that although by itself is helpful, if you just give somebody and say like, Hey, here's a thing. There's a ton of people who build themes. There's a ton of people who build customizable templates for WordPress. But what I wanted to build, what that to me that does is it puts that all in the responsibility of the authors for their time to set it up, to get the right assets, to make it look right, to choose the copy that goes on the page. So I didn't want to put that burden of responsibility on the authors, but instead be able to like be more of a partner with them and create like a package around best practices, what are readers actually looking for, what are from my you know history in web design and development and understanding how conversion rates with different UI works, like what are the best UI options and choices for the type of conversions that they're trying to get. A lot of them do, you know, newsletters, a lot of them have like stores or shops, you know, like what does that look like? And being more of a professional partner uh, with them. So that is, that's kind of the high level idea of it. There's a lot of different details I could provide, but yeah, that's yeah. Kind of... I mean, we'll, we'll get into some of it, but like the, um, I obviously really like that model. I, I mean, it's very similar to what I did with restaurant engine, but for a much different niche, mm-hmm. but you, you described it the same, literally the same way that I was describing it back then, which was, okay, we know that there are themes for WordPress. We know that there are different plugins that you could, you know, duct tape together to do what you need to do to run your website, or in your case, to to run or promote a, an indie book. But so it's not like we need to come up with like a totally new solution for those things. Exactly. It's putting those pieces together in the most optimal way, in the easiest way. And a lot of these pieces, those authors have no idea about, like they don't know that they even exist. Like how, you know, cause they're not web designers, they're, they're writers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, l- let's talk a little bit more about like what, what would make a website for an indie author, like what would be the must-haves for someone to be successful as an indie author to have their website? So the the answer is I didn't know, and I still don't know 100%. So I'm definitely in the early stages of figuring all this out. But one thing that drew me to this solution as well as like this market was the community that they have. There are communities of readers that love discussing and debating about books. There are community of writers because they're indie writers. And just like the Indie Hackers website, there are these Facebook groups full of these, whether they're indie and specifically like lit, R- lit RPGs where I'm starting with, with the goal of, you know, expanding more vertically into the entire market down the road. But they have like a very tight-knit community that they care about the work that they do. And so what I was able, what I've been able to do is like start asking these questions, like asking the authors hey, how, how do you have a website? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? What's frustrating? When do you, like, what do people engage with most? And then, you know, being able to flip it into the reader communities and be like, hey, readers, you know, like, what's your favorite thing about author websites? What is your, like, what frustrates you most, most when you visit an author website? Like, what are you looking for information-wise? And, you know, just like any consumer, when you ask them what they like or don't like, they're not afraid to tell you. So, <laughs> yeah. 
been able to get a, you know a lot of data surrounding this. So I've got I'm starting to put a picture together of what all this is. But I think to me, like that will always be growing. And I think there's never a one-time answer to like what does your website need, and that will be it forever. Which is why I think this is such a a needed thing for a community, a market like this, because like authors to have a really good website that as just is just a part of your marketing funnel. You don't want to be dedicating all your time to researching what are readers looking for, what is converting, what is engaging readers right now. Yeah. Because all you want to be doing is writing. Okay, so I want to step back to one thing that you mentioned because I'm hearing absolutely I'm hearing something that I I definitely made this mistake a couple of times. You know, you talked about how like starting with this RPG, this lit RPG subgenre, and and then expanding into the larger market of, of indie authors over time. I had that same idea with with the Restaurant Engine, and then and then event like the thought was, let me build it with Restaurant Engine, and then I'm going to copy and duplicate this into other industries. And I did once. I, I then created Hotel Propeller, mm-hmm. which if you look at it, it's a it's a clone of Restaurant Engine, and, and I. <laughs> And I owned I owned both for for a while, and I and then I I, I sold the business like uh, with those two packaged together. Mm-hmm. But I never it, like Hotel Propeller never came close to the growth that Restaurant Engine did. But in a lot of ways, Hotel Propeller should have grown even more. Under when, this was when I was owning it. I, I don't know what they do now. Mm-hmm. But um, like I I thought that I would go into ten other niche industries, and I just never did. And part of it is is um just being spread too thin and things changing. But the other thing, you know, you got to keep in mind first, number one is your goal is to ship something. So only focus on the thing that you're going to ship for the first 10 or 20 customers that you're going to ship it to. Like there, you have no idea where you're going to be at a year or three years from now. Like, <laughs> like you, you can't predict. I, I thought I could predict that for myself. I, I, I was always completely wrong about that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm in a different mental state. That's a good lesson. Yeah. Like I'm in a different mental state and my business is in a different place. I've I've made all sorts of new connections that I never thought I would make. Like it, it's just hard to predict. But then the the other thing to keep in mind is that there there can be see since you're in this really niche within a niche here, mm-hmm. you could have a see normally I I actually like uh, markets where there is at least a few competitors because it kind of, sort of prof- like proves that there's a, a good market there. Mm-hmm. I think there's some potential here to, I don't know this mar- this genre very well, but like y- you could be one of the only players who are, who's offering this optimal website solution. Mm-hmm. And what that means is it comes with a little bit of risk because maybe there, there are no other competitors because oh, it turns out that these types of authors don't pay for stuff like that. You could you could reach that conclusion, or it just could be that like hey, there was an opportunity here that no other web design product found yet, and and you can be the go to player. And if it's a large enough market, I mean, look, I have friends who I, I'm going to describe two friends of mine. <laughs> One guy runs BoardGameTables.com. Oh, yes, heard about that. So he he is a board game fanatic. Like he he's like deep into this community of like hardcore board gamers. We're not talking about Monopoly. We're talking about like like I don't know. I guess Dungeons and Dragons, Settlers of Catan, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I don't I'm not super in it, but like there are these massive conferences, and he's all over them. And he's like one of just a few. Like now he's like a leader in this space, 
he's like basically the dominant player selling tables and games and and it's a pretty big business so like another another uh, and and he followed your path in, in that he went into an industry that he was personally very passionate about you know like he he's into board games my other two friends were business partners they run moraware which is a software it's software as a service product that how do i describe it it's software for kitchen countertop installers so if you're getting like granite countertop for your kitchen the installer will come to your kitchen and and they need to give you a quote that has this like custom diagram or drawing that shows what your kitchen countertop size is oh dang i mean talk about like niche within a niche, but, <laughs> but like yeah but it's you know it's a multi-million dollar business because they're like right. the dominant player and it's so small I, the, the niche is so small, but there are thousands of these installers across the country, you know, like, I, I mean, and they've been at it for, for more than 10 years at this point. So it's like, you, you never, like, you never know, like, the, like, this could be like an entry into like a whole, like, deep rabbit hole of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, know. The, the way that I've kind of thought about it, and, you know, you're, the concern that you brought up of are these, it's who I'm targeting for my first 10 to 20 customers is, is a niche within a niche, you know, it's a subgenre within, you know, other genres of authors too. So it is very targeted. And there's that risk of like, if you're targeting these people, are there competitors? The answer, I guess, is, is no, in the sense that there are not, there's not any other web design, right? Web site like solutions. They'll, specifically the targeted like, to them. they'll go figure it out themselves. Like how to, right, right. But yeah. It's like, the the competitor in the in the vertical would be you know other freelancers other studios like easy to purchase website themes those would kind of be like the vertical competition but like what i wanted to validate before i like dove into this was that this horizontally they are willing to pay um there are you know like newsletter tools there are a lot of different tools built for indie authors for like marketing purposes usually around like book bundles that kind of stuff that like it is a market that is proven to pay for tools that do solve problems for them would they be using their website to sell their book so that's the answer to that is depends 90 i would say majority of them will not use their website to sell okay most people these days are building especially in this genre too are using kindle unlimited which is like a subscription program and you make money based on the number of pages read by people who download your book for free Oh, is that their the Kindle? Uh, yeah, Kindle Unlimited subscription. That's how authors make money by giving their books away <laughs> for free. But but if that's the case, if if they're, I didn't even know that Kindle Unlimited worked that way with how they pay yeah. the authors. But the um, I didn't either. But I learned a lot uh, diving into this. <laughs> if that's the case, then they're then you need to get your readers to choose your book within the Unlimited platform, right? So so then you need to like market it. Exactly, and. For authors, indie authors especially, and especially the ones going Kindle Limited, what matters to them is like they need to engage readers. Like they're usually the the plan is like the product plan is like make as many books as you can, get true fans, and get those maybe you have only a hundred readers instead of a million readers, but because you have twenty books, those one hundred true fans are like, I'm reading every single page of this book. It's so exciting. And like the more fans you can engage and bring into your quote unquote universe or the worlds that you're creating, the more money you will make. And to yeah. me, and a very important part of this is, you know, how does your website play a role in this marketing funnel? 
Um, you think about landing pages, you think about like updates on like writing your books. You can think about a lot of them use Patreon, okay. but like even like members, like some sort of like membership for like true, true, like even more like people who just get, you know, it's, it's like a lot, a lot of video games, like people in like, I guess like TV shows, you can think of it as like Comic-Con, like people get really into the stories and entertainment that they love. Um, and this genre is no different. So like the goal of converting readers into true fans is where these authors can really see, really make their money. Then you can sell merchandise. Then you can have membership communities where they get like special things and you, you know, they're even more guaranteed to read your books. But the key to that is to, to be able to update them, let them know that books have been launched, you know? So that's like your newsletter. That's for going to your website for information. Right. And like the biggest complaints I've seen during this research is readers get frustrated when they can't get the information they need from authors. But what authors <laughs> get frustrated doing is providing those updates because they feel like they just have to fuss with their website the entire time to get those updates out. So they just make a Facebook group to make right, it easy right. to do. But the Facebook group then frustrates some readers because they're like, I don't want Facebook. You know, yeah, like the website yeah. always has been and always will be that open platform where anyone, no matter what they want, can come to you for information on what you're trying to, I guess, sell or give. And yeah, for sure. I just saw this opportunity. Just a minute to tell you about Productize. If you're sick of the client services treadmill, well, there's a better way, a productized service. That's why I built Productize. It's a private community and training program for people like you and me. We're operating a client services business and we're scaling it up using the productized service model. Join our private Slack, our private forum, and get matched into your own small mastermind group with other members. Give and get honest, constructive feedback to grow your productized service business this year. Plus, get access to my productized course, which gives you everything that you need to start, grow, and systematically build your productized service business. The best part about becoming a member, no ongoing subscription. Purchase once and you get lifetime access to everything. Go to productizecommunity.com for all the details. And right now you can get 10% off by using this special URL, productizecommunity.com slash podcast. So like, I wanted to get a sense of like where you're at in the process of talking to your, you know, your first prospects, doing research, customer development, like, have you actually spoken to any, you know, indie authors in this genre who, who you think are, have started to like talk to you seriously about this product? Like maybe they could become your first customers. Yeah. So I've talked to, I've talked to two, one who has written a large number of books and has always wanted a website, but just hasn't ever had the time to devote to it because just like indie authors that and indie hackers, I've made this comparison already, but you know, the, a lot of indie authors are doing this on top of a job already and doing it as a side hustle. So like their time is already needed to be used towards writing. And so he was very interested in this because he knew he needed a website. He just didn't have the time to do it. Not to mention he wanted it done well. So enter this product. He was interested. And then there was another author uh, who was a little earlier on in their process who just didn't know how to, he just didn't know how he wanted to, he realized his website didn't look good and he had, you know, higher standards for what he expected, but knew he couldn't do it. And so he was interested and I think it'd be, he would be a little bit more on like the lower end of like willingness to pay larger amounts, whereas the other person was on the higher end of that, mm -hmm. which got me, you know, thinking about how to package and price these kind of things. But 
yeah, I've got two people that have been interested so far, even without a product, but just with the idea of what the product would do. Got it. Got it. So yeah, I mean, like, why don't we like kind of turn it over to you and, and whatever questions that you have or anything that you want to dig into, we can go from there. All right. I would be happy to ask. So I have a few questions for you just to get your your feedback on, and they're all very appropriate to the stage that I'm at. And just like, I've not gotten to the point of shipping. And it's these questions that always stump me and keep me from shipping. And I'm not going to let them this time, but I'd also, I'd also like your feedback on them before I do. And the, the first one that I have for this is around like packaging and pricing. That's like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of scary in the sense that it's like, okay, as soon as I put a price out there in my mind, it's like, okay, they're either going to be like, yes or no. And I may not ever get that sale again if my price was too high. And if my price was way too low, then, you know, could I've gotten more money, that kind of thing. Yep. So I, I've shared some copy and like some packages a little bit with you. Yeah. So we can talk about the copy and stuff a little bit later, but for now, yeah, let's just talk about the packages and what yeah. I see in this doc that you shared. You've got a DIY package for 250 per year, and then you've got a webmaster package for 500 a year, and then... You call it a partner package for a thousand a year. Yeah. So I guess my first question is, is like, is this the kind of service that you would expect to be able to, to work on a subscription model? And I can give a little context on like why I, I, I think it can. And then I'd love your feedback on like, if that is actually valid. So the DIY plan is 250 a year. It gives them access to the, the theme that I'm building tools that would be included with it documentation on how to set it up and to use uh, what WordPress has, which is like block, the new block editor. Oh yeah. Which makes it like super, (laughs) it's, it's, I mean, I'd love to do, I won't get into that. I'm using the block. (laughs) I want to build, I'd love to build a website builder down the road, but I'm using the tools that are available to get something shipped, uh, which is the WordPress block editor. Yep. So it'd include all blocks. And then it would also include all updates, including like new designs, because, you know, this is a growing product. There are going to be new blocks available, the new designs, new like tools and stuff, hopefully Mm -hmm. along the way. So this would basically allow them to be responsible for setting it all up. So like they would not have the, the partnership aspect of it to where like they're getting help with how to set up. Obviously I think I'd still help them because it's, I want to build that relationship, but I'm not going to be devoting as much time to like, let's walk through your website step-by-step and get everything set up perfect. It's more of like a, active support like if you have questions i'm here kind of thing yeah so my my understanding was that like you because i think in in some of the other copy that we can go over like you have the the diy the 250 a year it's like they can sign themselves up they get access to your themes and documentation and if they have questions they could ask but then the web the, the other two packages the higher packages Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're thinking like they would actually schedule a call with you and, and together you would set up their website like in a day or something like that? Exactly. Whether it's a day or, you know, weeks depending, a week, depending on like how long it takes to get assets ready, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's the idea of like, let's schedule a call together. Let's walk through your website, how to set it up best, some ways to think about it and how to use it to, you know, like all these like more strategy type things. And the 500 a year with the webmaster is like, you still get access to all the themes and tools, but you'll get this video call. And then let's also like, I'll manage your, the setup and the maintenance. We'll, I'll take care of hosting. I'll take care of like SSL security, ongoing maintenance to your WordPress site so that you don't have to worry about security issues or getting plugins out of date, et cetera. 
that kind of thing. I have some questions, maybe some issues with the way that these two first packages are structured. Like, Lay it on me. Because from what I'm seeing, the main difference between the 250 per year and the 500 per year mm-hmm. is the fact that you're doing that upfront setup, like done with you setup service. Correct. But I'm not seeing like a separated out charge for that. But instead, it's like, I know that we have like the ongoing hosting security, ongoing maintenance and stuff included in the 500 a year that apparently that's not included in the 250 a year. Correct. But it seems like you're adding more recurring revenue for mainly the the value is the one-time service. Gotcha. Yeah. But actually, are you in the DIY, are you hosting it or do they have to go find their own web host? Yeah. DIY would be like, it's on them to get domain hosting, et cetera. They just get access to the themes and the, the I see. So DIY is like, is like any other WordPress theme. Basically. Basically. They, they go get their own hosting and everything. The 500 a year and up is a hosted version of this. Pretty much. Yes. Got it. And you know, I thought about this a number of different ways. Like, do I add the whole like hosting as like an add on to where it's like, if you don't want to have to deal with this stuff, that's a separate add on that bumps up the total price of your package. But I decided with trying to keep it simple and including it as part of like the value. But I don't know, you know, is that the right call? I don't I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> so it's been it's it's been several years for me since I was really closely in, into the WordPress mm-hmm. market. When I was in it with Restaurant Engine mm-hmm. and the years before that, so that I started Restaurant Engine around 2012 and I was really in it in like 2013 and 2014. And I made the decision not to offer my themes. There there was no DIY. Gotcha. Thing. You it had was just to, like the the whole package. Yeah, you had to sign up as a, as a subscribed hosting customer. Mm. And so I, I think I would probably offer the suggestion of just ditch that DIY option. <laughs> I wondered if you would say that. Because you're going to have, you're definitely going to have some customers who are, who are like, well, I can just go to HostGator for a lot right. less than lot 500 less, a year. Yeah. But I mean, th- there, sure, there, there would definitely be customers who who just aren't aware of, of, of those competitors or they just mm-hmm. don't want to deal with figuring out how, to, how mm-hmm. to set up a web host. But like, I, I sort of prefer to just have like the op, the, the value is that, is that you've put the whole package together, right? The, the website design is, is nice. That should be a given We you know, you wouldn't be in this business if you can't create a nice website, <laughs> but the, it's the packaging of it all. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, this is made for indie authors, especially mm-hmm this genre who cares a lot about community around the book. So we have these community features. And so that stuff is all built in. And the other thing that I definitely saw with Restaurant Engine by by not offering a DIY service mm-hmm. or option, you really reduce churn. Gotcha. Because they're like all in. They don't know of any other Well, way. because if they if, if they wanted to cancel your service, they would have to go get a new website designed somewhere else. Gotcha. Like, and not only just a new website design, but also. Also figure out the hosting and all the, all the functionality and all that. Like, yeah, here, like they, they could just do your webmaster package for 500 a year, pay the 500, get the done with you setup service and then downgrade to 
the lower package and then just take their theme and go install it somewhere else, right? That you bring up a valid argument. Yeah, I think and yeah, I think the DIY plan was just more of like a fear of first business <laughs> kind of thing and don't yeah. being scared to charge a higher price and wondering if people would pay. That's the other thing I wanted to bring up and like, you know, WordPress technical things related to WordPress hosting and all that. Put all that aside. No matter what business we're talking about, let's just talk about the price point. So, you know, 250 a year, 500 a year, you you would need a lot of customers before it's like, oh, this is coming close to replacing my full-time income. Mm-hmm. A lot of customers. And, and like, but that's not to say that that's not a valid approach, right? Like you, you said, like, you're, you're happy in your position and you're just trying to ship something and something relatively small. So, mm-hmm. So I think there's not like there's nothing wrong because you know you hear especially in the in in like the the patio eleven the, the software circles it's like charge more <laughs> charge, charge more, more yep. right but I I still think that there's value in lower lower priced points mm-hmm. lower priced products it, just be aware that like it's just going going to take a lot longer stretch of time to grow it to a level that's like a viable business you know? right. I think I I thought about this, that question as well, because I realized, you know, doing the math full-time payoff versus this one product, then I realized this is my first full-on effort at creating some sort of like business. You know, I've done freelance work for a while, which could be considered a business, but this is meant to be repeatable, uh, more recurring revenue. And it made me think of, you know, Rob Walling's stair-step to business approach kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like maybe this isn't what gets me full-time revenue. But maybe this buys me not having to do freelance contracts anymore and being able yeah. to devote time complete, like all my time that I used to devote to freelance to helping these customers. Maybe there's ways to spread horizontally in the market kind of and thing. And just think about all the things you're going to learn from taking taking in revenue from something and figuring exactly. out, oh, this sort of worked. And oh, if I were to do this again, I would do this a little bit differently. And then, you know, so get through this first time out. And And maybe who's to say... Prices can't get higher as it goes when I when I really nail down the real value that I could bring to this community. I don't, I don't know the answers to these things yet, but yeah, that definitely made me concerned to like charge higher to start out with. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, just going to the actual structure of your of your product. I mean, you're talking about doing that done with you service, so I I would kind of weight more of the revenue upfront on that. Like, mm-hmm. Even make that like a thousand dollar setup, like a separate fee. thing, and then the recurring revenue kind of is doesn't seem as daunting, but it's just more for like ongoing work. Yeah, and and probably the recurring would probably have to be lower. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not because you're also including maintenance, which I would assume includes like actual updates to their website. Yeah, so that's kind of something that I've picked up along the way, which is like authors want to write, but what they don't want to write about is what they wrote about. <laughs> so. Providing a framework and like kind of like and, you know, writing your show notes for your podcast kind of got me thinking about this, which is, you know, if I'm just building a relationship with them, what's to say I couldn't just have a conversation with them every week or every once a month or something and be like, hey, you know, just checking in. How how's your writing been going and then write something up for them and add it to their website for updates for their their audience. You know, that that idea has crossed my mind as part of this to be able to offer authors. You know, my goal is to create a package that that is saving them as much time as possible 
so they can focus on writing and however whatever tools I can provide to get there and and justify the value and the the price that I'm going for. I think it it comes down to just building that relationship and that trust. Yeah. Well, what other um, questions do you have? Yeah. So another question that I had, which is like, I'm currently actively engaging both like the readers and the authors in those communities and asking them like, how do you use your website? What are their pain points? Kind of like I mentioned earlier, what kind of things would you recommend for like validating a market or like the value of a product kind of in these like early days? Yeah. So with validation, I don't think of validation as binary, like, okay, today it's not validated tomorrow. Yep. We've reached validation. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not that easy. Right. I, it's much more like degrees, right? You, you get closer and closer. And, and also I think of validation, like you have to validate multiple things. Uh, it's not just this whole product business is validated or not. It's the first thing is what we were talking about. Like, is there a market there? Like, yeah, there are authors, but are are they willing to buy things like this? Do mm-hmm. they do they pay money for this, or do they only like hire their their brother in law and their who can make them a website for free? Right. You know, so it's like validating that first, and then it's like validating: can you actually reach these people? Like, are they reachable? Like, are there online communities, offline communities, places where you know how to reach them? Or are they, maybe there's a lot of them out there, but you would need to send postcards in order to reach mm-hmm. them. And that's very expensive, right? Right. You know, like that's that's the next thing to validate. And then, and then it's also like validating, okay, so does this product actually solve their problem? Mm-hmm. You know, do they have objections or do they, do they choose your product over the alternatives? And that just takes iteration. And that, that mm-hmm. to me is actually the easier part of it is like making the product just right. Gotcha. Because it's like you, you could just literally, assuming you validated the first two things, like you, you found the customers, you've reached the customers. Now they're willing to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're willing to pay for it. Now you just got to make sure that it's enough, it, that, that it does the things that they, they need to pay for it. Like, right. And that'll just take iteration. Like, oh, you don't, you don't need the, the automatic tweeting feature, but you do need a, an ability to sell it through your website. Okay, then we'll need to That's make those iterations. Yep. And, and then, you know, you find the next objection. And then, and then eventually it's like, okay, enough people consistently find value in the set of features that we currently gotcha. have. And that just takes, takes iteration. Yeah. So that, and you're already doing the right things, which is talking to customers. So that's, that's how I would go about validating it, I think. Yeah, I think, and it kind of leads into my next question, um, which would be, you know, you mentioned validating willingness to buy. At what point you've had experience, you know, with Restaurant Engine creating something almost exactly like this for a different market. Would you wait till you have the whole package ready to deliver? Would you try to ship something smaller? Would you try to pre-sell? What would you recommend in terms of validating like willingness to pay maybe before spending all the time? Or like, do you think that this is one of those things that you got to spend the time to have something to give to validate that? Oh, you mean in terms of like building the product? Well, that and just like at what point do you try to sell it? Wait till it's yeah. built. Wait till, you know, try to get something smaller shipped to validate it or just sell the promise, you know, like. Well, the way that I did it back then, this was back in 2013, was... I built an early access list. I think I ran some Google AdWords to, to restaurant mm-hmm. owners. And I made like a one-pager landing page for the website 
mm-hmm. that had all these like kind of dummy graphics on it and these promises of, of what it's going to be and cl- and enter your email address to to be notified when we launch. Gotcha. You know. Yeah. And then I got a I don't know, 50 or 100 people on that on that list and I yeah. reached out to all of them to try to get phone calls and that resulted in like 15 or 20 calls. And now was this before you launched? You just tried to reach out to them to get more information about yeah, their business? Yeah, before I even built anything. Like it didn't it didn't exist. It wasn't even right. called Restaurant Engine yet. It was nothing. It was just an idea. <laughs> yeah. And then I spoke to people and I believe what I did back then was I asked if they would be willing to pay for like I, I think I, I said it would cost like $49 a month. Mm-hmm. And I got some like verbal yeses. And and for that product, I didn't ask them to pay up front. Like I didn't do any like pre-selling. Right. But then then what I did was I took like another two months to build like the first two themes and, and a bare bones version of the of the of the sign up process and then like two or three more months to really refine the process. And then I invited like a bunch of beta users. See, I, I wasn't offering like the done with you service. Right. I hadn't sort of discovered that idea yet. I, I was still trying to make it like a SaaS at that time. So I spent like way too much time build, like I hired a contractor to help me build this real fancy sign up, do it yourself sign up process all built on WordPress. And like it would automatically fire up a site on multi-site and it had all these sorts of like do it yourself customization options built in. And then I had like a beta program for two months and then I made it live and the first like five or six customers upgraded. This was after six or seven months of of iterating. And, and looking back on it, I would have instead worked with the first customers directly and just set up a single instance WordPress installation, you know? Got it. And like, if you really don't want to spend a lot of time, you, you could just pick an off the shelf WordPress theme before even designing your own. Ooh, I know you're a designer, so you're, pr- you're probably not going <laughs> to I might do not. It. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Even if it cost me money, I don't know if I could I could do that myself. I'm the same but, way. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying like just to validate it. Like, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You know, but even even if you wanted to design it, like just design one mm-hmm. theme that's ready to go, but then do the do the session of setting it up with them. And you're going to find all, you're going to run into all these bumps during that session like oh they want this but i didn't build that in so i'm gonna have to so this will take it a, an extra few days and and then you just you just get it right for the first mm-hmm. couple of customers but if it's like i'm willing to build that relationship and not try to do the you know done for you type thing then like having to custom code a couple extra things for their website is just you know the price of what, like what you're paying for like that's hopefully like the type of service i want to be able to give within reason yeah, but but you would be custom coding features for their website, but you're that also can be reused. Yeah. yeah, you're coding them into your master theme that'll be used on all of your future customers, right? Yeah. So, so, I, I mean, you you are selling down. this service though. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, you yeah. So it's not like they're you're doing it for free. I was about to go down that rabbit hole of of customization, like. Even though I do it with them, I was going to go down the rabbit hole of like, you can change all the colors, you can change the position of things, like all this kind of stuff. But like, kind of, I don't know, like what you said, just like really, really made a lot of sense, which was like, if I can build that anyway, then why build it before I hear that they want to change those things when I can just yeah. make it as minimally customizable as possible and cut, make make it more customizable on demand, which in one way 
it's not shipping like a final product, but in the other way, it's showing them that I'm like willing to, to listen and build the things that, that they really need. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they don't need it in a day. Exactly. Like, you know, you can work with them and, and still schedule the day as if, as if you're setting it up, mm-hmm. but you can go into that day knowing like, okay, I know that I can give them a basic, nice looking website today, mm-hmm. but any special requests that they have, you could just say like, all right, I'm going to note these down and we're, and I'm going to circle back with you later in the week. Yeah. When Makes are, me think of uh, you know, the, the episode on productize just a little bit ago that you did with uh, Jared Gold of yeah. website by tonight, you know, that kind of got me thinking a lot about like ways to approach this too, which is it's called website by tonight, but sometimes there's two calls just to make sure things are right. And it's not necessarily the fact that it's done in the day, but just the, the mental image of like, we're going to get this done quickly and within like a, a streamlined process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So now that so definitely answers, definitely answers that for me. And then, um, there are two more, this next one kind of ties into some of this and I think you kind of already answered it, but I'm thinking of doing, you know, just going to be another one of those people doing Adam and Steve, Steve, like hot tips, you know, but like indie authors have not been seeing Steve Shoger's hot yeah, tips. So you're talking about gonna, Adam, gonna co- Adam Wathen and Adam, yes. Adam Wathen and, and Steve Shoger, who are really well known uh, in the web developer designer community. And exactly. they, for, for years, they've been tweeting, mostly tweeting mm-hmm. like Adam does like these, these web development tips and and steve is a great designer and he's been doing these these design tips and they've built up huge followings yeah and it's it's a it's a really great like tactic but it's also just like a great way to like engage and like provide real value and i think that there's a lot of stuff that could be done for authors that could give them little insights into how they can make their website better in the same way that they do it where it's like sure they technically gave you everything in their refactoring ui product already through tweets mostly but we're going to package it all up. We're going to make it easy for you to to digest it all and be able to like see the value from that. And so I feel like that could could help get authors more engaged with like what the possibilities are with things they could do with their website. And then the other part of this I thought was like doing kind of like what you did, which is like an early access list, but do it more of like a follow along as I build it list, mm-hmm. which now that you have met, like the last thing we talked about, which was like maybe even shit before you're ready, but like that means then I can customize less and can really focus on like the visuals and like the decisions that I'm making to engage them. And then like they've been updated along the way. So when I'm ready to launch, they're like, well, I know what this looks like and functions like I'm in or they've already self-selected them to like be like, not my thing. Well, a few things about that, like like thinking about like Adam and Steve as a model, the the guys who are in the web development industry, web design industry, the thing to always remember about them is that their audience is a massive audience of of web developers who are massively active anyway. on Twitter, you know? Yeah. And so so they eat up tips like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that like indie authors would be so interested in really following the story of building this thing. Okay. What indie authors would care about is like, how do I sell more books or how do I write a better book? Okay. okay. Or how do I come up with a better idea for a book, you know? Um, right. I know that you're a fan of that stuff, but you're not necessarily a writer. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And maybe I'm like letting some of my uh, worldview and perspective, things that I like seep into what I want to produce. Yeah. Yeah. That that too. I mean, you know, th- it takes extra hours and time to do it, but you're not new to podcasting. I mean, I would think about, 
I would think about maybe doing like a podcast where you're interviewing authors. Other authors. You know. Ooh. Okay. Because that's interesting content to other authors. They want to hear. That's what they want to be hearing. People just like themselves, you know. And then off of those interviews, you can pull out the insights. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this this author had this really interesting tip for how he came up with the idea for the, for his hit book. Yeah. You know, this or that. And then gotcha. that turns into a headliner tweet thing, you know. Mm. Okay. And it's like you like you mentioned, like I've already done another podcast. It's not yeah. It's not like I have to like get a microphone, get hosting, understand how to produce it, that kind of thing. So that would be yep. a little easier. And I'm not I'm not in I'm not like in that genre, but I would guess that podcasting is Yeah, there's a there's a number of podcasts yeah. on indie publishing. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. Well cool. Yeah, and, and you know, and then once you start to gain a little bit of traction with it, like you're doing like an interesting thing in this space. So you can go like a, what they call it, like a podcast tour and like be a guest on those, uh, those indie, ooh. you know, try to pitch yeah, yourself as like a guest. Like maybe try to, to talk about why I think this website service is needed and helpful kind of thing. Yep. Okay. And then final question. I don't want to keep you all day. I was just listening to an episode that's going to be coming out soon on, well, it will probably have already come out by the time this one launches, but it's the one with Joel of Case Study Buddy. Yeah. He talks, you and him mention 99% of sales that come are not clicking the buy now button on your page, but they go through a sales call first. Oh, yeah. As you're kind of thinking through a landing page, how many times do you try to get people to jump on a call? Is it only, do you do it like top and bottom? Do you do it more like... Do you have any advice on like the right? And I know it's it's very specific. And I you've you have some of my copy there, I guess, to try to look at and kind of see of an idea like when you might add those. But like, do you have any kind of like best practices or thoughts on like yeah getting people into a call? Yeah, that's a good question. In terms of like structuring the website, like there's there's really no right way, but there's just a couple of like best practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you generally want to try to have one key call to action. Mm-hmm. like one big button. I don't mean one specifically one button. You could have multiple buttons, but they should all be pointing towards the right. same action. The same thing, yeah. And like on my Audience Ops website, I do make that that button be request a consultation. Right. We talked about this on a few episodes of this podcast where I, I have made the choice to show pricing and to have the buy now button, like the purchase buttons on the website as well. Right. My website, I just happened to do like the one page layout. So like the pricing, those buy buttons and the consultation and all the information about the service, it's all there on the homepage. You don't have to do it that way. That's just sort of how I ended up doing it. But really, even though I have the pricing and they do have the buttons to purchase, those are not the, I wouldn't even consider those like the call to action on the page. Right. You know, the big bright call to action is the big green area that says request a free demo and consultation. And and the way that I have it set up on my site is that there's a big green button at the very top, like the top navigation, mm-hmm. which is like an anchor and it slides you down to gotcha. the to the yeah. form. And it's a fixed navigation. So it's so as you scroll down, you're still seeing the top navigation. You're still seeing that green button basically like at all times. That's one way to do it. It's it's actually a few years old and it's probably not like the cool way of designing websites anymore. But I mean, it doesn't always matter if it's cool design, if it's got the right content. <laughs> yeah, but but like Joel and I were talking about, I mean, yeah, even though 
we have the the ability to come to the homepage and just purchase, almost nobody does that. Right. They need to talk to somebody first. Now, a lot of that depends on the price point, right? Mm-hmm. So Restaurant Engine, there definitely were people who came to the website and just purchased. But at the same time, we had a lot of sales calls because they're restaurant owners and they don't like to just buy things on the internet. Right. <laughs> but at that price point, which is similar to your price point, like I think your prices here are low enough mm-hmm. for someone to to potentially be comfortable with buying it. Like especially the the DIY, if you end up keeping that option, like you know w- WordPress themes in general, people buy them without talking to anybody. Right. But like the webmaster thing, like if, especially if the whole value is like doing a session with you in a day, like they're going to want to know who they're going to be working with. They're going to want to talk to. Yeah, you. that makes that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, like in that case, I would make the. In almost all cases, really, I, I hate to say like all cases should do this, this one thing, but it's pretty rare that I would say like, don't make the CTA be talked to. Like y- you want to talk to customers, especially early on. So make that, mm-hmm. make that primary call to action and be like, request your, your consultation, you know, fill out your info and then have that lead to a booking on your calendar, you know? That sounds good. I have listened to enough episodes that I thought that would be your advice, but I just wanted to <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to ask it anyway. And also, even the way that I set it up on audience apps, like on the pricing section, if you look at it, like it has the it has like three tiers, and then the price point, and then what's included, and then a button to purchase. But right immediately, right below that, it says "Let's talk." Yeah, and it's just another way of let's talk is like is like another link that takes you right back to that (laughs) consultation form which and the consultation form is sitting there right below those purchase buttons so that does two things too it number one it makes it easy to to get the consultation but it's also like you saw the pricing it was right next to the consultation form Mm -hmm. so by the time we talk you're you're already qualified path like you've already mentally sort of accepted like yeah this is a decent price point now let me just get some some questions answered Right. I think that answers everything that I have for now, because at some point you got to act on the advice and I have a lot to definitely do. I think if you are open, open to doing this, maybe in a couple months, we could do this again. Yeah. And I will have a product and at least one paying customer is the goal. And maybe we can kind of reflect on i like it you're not allowed back you... on the podcast until you have a paying customer <laughs> well, okay okay <laughs> let's not kidding. go crazy <laughs> maybe it's not uh maybe i don't have a paying customer but i've tried uh and i've got a product maybe there's maybe it's a good episode of like celebration maybe it's an episode of bummer it didn't work uh where do i go next kind of advice but i think maybe i would i would love the accountability of like okay let's do this in a couple months i'm gonna try to reach this milestone and maybe maybe reflect then. I think that'll be really great for listeners. You know, we, we can follow along with the story, and um, and and I th- I honestly think this will be a, a good learning experience for for everyone. So, awesome. Yeah, uh, Will. Thanks for thanks for doing this, and thanks for doing such an awesome job. You know, uh, you know, producing the podcast. I'm excited to to keep it going. Yeah, looking forward to more episodes, and uh, hopefully not. Hopefully, having good things to share next time I'm on. But you never know, and I won't get I won't get down just because it isn't. But Looking forward to uh, putting all your advice into action uh, and kind of seeing where this goes. Sweet. All right. Did that give you something to think about? If it did, let me know on Twitter. I'm at CastJam. If you want to find show notes on this or any of the other episodes or my weekly newsletter with new content, head over to productizeandscale.com. 
Now, if you haven't already, a five-star review in iTunes, that would go a long way to helping other folks find the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.